what drove me into the space was understanding that people didn't trust our democratic institutions anymore. Throughout history, there's always been a relationship between politicians and technology. If we go back to 1933, FDR used his fireside chats to discuss the banking crisis. And then throughout the late 30s and into the early 40s, he talked about the war. And this is how he would give people updates. People sitting around the radio, listening to the president talk. Fast forward a little bit. The Vietnam War didn't go so well for America for a bunch of reasons that we're not gonna get into today. But I remember learning in high school that it was the first war that was kind of televised. And that made it really hard for Lyndon B. Johnson to sit up there and lie because people could clearly see on the TV what was going on. Fast forward a little bit more and we see how President Trump, or at the time, candidate Trump, used Twitter like no presidential candidate had ever done before to completely galvanize people around his words. Fast forward to today and we have multiple presidential candidates that are gonna be running in 2024 that are bullish on Bitcoin. And while my guest today will not be running for the presidency, he is running for US Senate in New York. And part of his platform is figuring out how to leverage blockchain to improve the democratic process. More specifically, to create more radical transparency around campaign finance. Will Schweitzer, this episode's guest, has 15 plus years of public and private sector leadership working at the intersection of emerging tech, national security, and politics. And for me, as a millennial, this conversation gives me hope that the future of politics in the United States is in safe hands. I'm Jarrett Carpenter, and this is More Than Blockchain. Will, welcome to More Than Blockchain. How are you? Good. Thanks for having me, man. Absolutely. Thank you for hopping on. And we already talked about this off mic, but you're currently in Manhattan. And are you a lifelong New Yorker? I am lifelong state of New Yorker, but I've been in the city now for just about nine years. So yeah. Okay, cool. So you're from upstate, as they would say. That's right. I'm from Rochester, New York. Uh, and then I went to college in the Finger Lakes. And then, uh, you know, I've been working in Manhattan. I was in the army for a little while. It's my only kind of time away, I guess, from the state. But yeah, I've been here in New York for... Pretty much my whole life. So, <laughs> Very cool. I did grad work at the new school. And so I lived in Brooklyn for a couple of years and I still come in and out of the city a good amount. So maybe we'll get to meet one day. And one of the things that was always so interesting to me about New York was how, and I didn't understand this until I moved to New York, the actual division between people who live in the five boroughs and then quote, and I'm using air quotes, people can't see upstate. Like it is a real division. So it's good yeah. to have you down in Manhattan. Yeah, I know it's funny. And like, you know, at the risk of betraying all of my upstaters, like having lived down here for so while, like I kind of get it, you know, like you do get it. You're like at some point, which geographically is not that far. It's not that far geographically, like as the, you know, the mileage goes, but you know, at some point you're just like kind of out of the city, like extended, you know, uh, suburban sprawl. And then you're like, okay, this is upstate, but that's like maybe Westchester, you know? And then you're like, you know, as a Rochester guy, I'm like, there's no way like Westchester's upstate, you know, I'm like, yeah. So, so I get both sides very, very much. So 
Yeah, it is. It's just such a it's such an interesting dynamic how we can be kind of tribal around those local regional things. And you and I met, or we met recently, and we met through Mark Caraway. Believe that I'm pronouncing his last name well. And he works with Founder. How did you meet Mark? And we could have done this offline, but I think we'll just connect some dots here. <laughs> yeah. Well, I guess for the listeners, like Mark Caraway is an awesome dude. I've known him for man like since 2018 2019 maybe i met him back when i first started schweitzer labs and like my own kind of exploration into the blockchain world so mark and i have known each other for a long time now we most recently were at protocol labs during like the 2022 you know boom to the 2023 sadness um you know that kind of has everyone's been on for the last you know year or so it almost feels like now but yeah, so I've known Mark for a long time. Good dude. Glad, you know, he's great at connecting folks. Uh, I think that's kind of what he does. So happy to to know you now, man. Yeah, absolutely. Mark is a great connector. When I met him and he found out about the podcast, he said, I really want to connect you with this guy, Will. And so here we are today, very full circle. And before we dive into your current political campaign and kind of your vision for the future and how blockchain plays a role in that, let's maybe go back and talk about something you just touched on, which is your work previous in blockchain, and maybe talk about how that is influencing now your political campaign. Yeah, definitely. It's kind of a, a winding road to tell this story, but I'll do my best to synthesize. I guess I approached or I like approached my career from you know, I got into politics pretty early. I got into, I guess, like a international relations bend in college and then, you know, focus on like political science stuff. So kind of like a policy, well, not, not so much a policy wonk guy, but a poli sci wonk guy. So government and this type of stuff has always been like a place where I've focused a lot of my energy. And it was just interesting, like for me, you know, things happen, this kind of call for public service, like emerges within me. And I'm finding, you know, fulfillment if uh, of that, if you will, through like being engaged politically, right? Like going out and doing campaigns and all that stuff and, and taking, you know, just things that you learn in a classroom, but like putting it out there and actually, you know, doing the work, right? Uh, now being older and doing this for a long time, it's like really engaging with the democratic process. That's something that I've always tried to be active in. And so in all of that connectedness, at one point, you know, I've done enough things. I had been in the intelligence community. I was in the special operations community. I got exposure to emerging tech. And I was really worried about like the problems that were on the global stage uh, at that time. And just kind of, I don't know, seeing the things that I had seen, putting things together and just kind of being focused on, to me, I mean, it through Schweitzer Labs and like how we really get to blockchain, like things get very narrow on a specific problem set that I was really trying to solve for. But, you know, taking that as like part of the quest, if you will, to continue to serve. And, you know, I, I saw the work that we were doing at Schweitzer Labs, like very much trying to address uh, issues in, in geopolitical uh, matters. So, you know, that, that thing, which was like solving corruption and tracking financial flows in uh, the political financial ecosystem, you know, that was what I was trying to find like problems within and solve uh, issues around and then being enamored, frankly, by the tech that I was seeing and the focus on that that was coming out of financial institutions, you know, open banking, even in the European uh, Union had, you know, that was like a decade before we even like kind of started. Um, so there was lots of stuff going on 
and the innovation of like finance overall. Uh, and I just kind of, you know, I don't know. I was I was looking to solve a problem, took me down a bunch of avenues, and blockchain was a unique, a unique thing happening at the time that I was looking for something and it really, you know, really kind of connected a lot of dots, even for me, like tracking, you know, not being like a computer science person by, you know, any uh formal training, but you know, just having like been around being a digital native as like a millennial, like blockchain was just this kind of unique set of principles that you know, held a lot of promise, it felt like, uh, you know, and so I, I took that and I was like, great, you guys, you guys say, you know, you want to, you know, work on these types of problems, like uh, geopolitical issues, societal issues, you know, talking about economics in the social sense, not just in higher, uh, you know, balance sheets, right. But uh, the blockchain community was really talking about a lot of things that, you know, would be solutions to a lot of big issues. So, that's what was it for me to kind of, and then, you know, a bunch of other signaling uh, was like, yeah, let me, let me get in here and see what blockchain can do for combating corruption. Right. Um, and that was kind of the journey. Right. And then I go on for, uh, you know, five years or so building Schweitzer labs, building this product, doing all this stuff. Yeah. And now, you know, end up at protocol labs. And then uh, now I'm running for Senate to kind of uh, move the ball forward based on what I think is part of a set of really unique perspectives that I personally have, but, you know, kind of bring it back higher level about the, you know, my kind of call to public service. I see that there are these big challenges out here today. And I see myself as somebody who can step up and, you know, fill this void, right. And show the leadership that I think we need uh, in a big way. So. That was a great overview. And I feel like everyone who has come on this podcast, who has found their way to blockchain whether they're in Bitcoin, whether they're building on Ethereum, whether they have an NFT project, whether they're part of a DAO, whether they're using Bitcoin Lightning to support their small business, their history is super convoluted. There's no straight line. Like the way people get to blockchain and then find a way to use it in their professional, take it from the personal to the professional, right? That's like what everyone in Web3 is trying to do. So I think that that was a really great, a great little review. So thank you. And, you know, when Mark originally introduced us, he said, He's running for US, a U.S. Senate in New York, and he's built a blockchain-based campaign donations tracking platform. So talk to me about that, and also talk to me about how that hits upon one of the most widely used words on your website, which is corruption. Well, I can say, if you really want to know what I'm talking about here, go to willforus.com backslash tech. It's actually, you can't navigate there from the homepage, so you have to know <laughs> that it's there. Uh, but you can go on there and then you can actually see, to answer this question, you can see a demo of the product that we built back with Schweitzer Labs. So we have since open sourced what we built. Um, and now like, even it's a big part of, uh, well, not big, it's, I mean, it's a very passionate part of my uh, campaign and my focus as we will unpack. But, you know, being a tech entrepreneur, you know, I don't know, I got a bug to build. I really like to build stuff. I see these tools as mattering uh, in today's political world. So anyways, I have this tech page. You go there, you can check out uh, the product that we built previously. And then there's a couple other initiatives that we have within our tech team on the campaign. But yeah, I mean, I was really thinking about, to me, what drove me into this space, I kind of pulled back and then I'll really narrow in. But what drove me into the space was understanding that people didn't trust our democratic institutions anymore. And I mean that in the most like 
wonkiest, like nerdiest way possible. Like all the data was showing us <laughs> as we, you know, looked at the strength of institutions and we looked at public sentiment about alliances, relationships with even within countries about parties. And like that's what's going on in the US, right? Like understanding like where things are really heading. True, there was a report, uh, I think it was this year, the end of last year, but you know, called out that America, by all the ways that we judge other democracies, if you put the lens on America through the same, you know, test, that we are in a backsliding state, that there are a lot of signals within uh, you know, what's happening in the US. So so I was a part of like, you know, seeing that stuff like really bubble up to high levels of concern within the national security apparatus. Um, it was something that everybody was talking about. And I took that as kind of like the big, big thing. I was like, okay, why don't we trust, you know, this? And and to me, it really just was a deep set of understanding and combining my experiences to see and understand, which I which is like the core thesis in this is like that, you know, campaign finance is like this very critical moment in the democratic process, probably anywhere, but certainly here in the United States. And like, even just to step into the arena is a lot for people. And it like puts you in the, the eyes of others. Right. But it's like, there's so much negative, so many negative things that have happened in our politics in the U S where there is a public sentiment and a deference now to basically just assume that if someone is jumping into the you know 2024 political like arena like make it right now like there is a there is a very if it's not your first thought it's like second or third of like well maybe what's this person running for right like we see a lot of crooks in the political space right and we feel that and if you're a voter and you're like meeting someone new you know, th this is the challenge is like new people should be encouraged to come into this space because it will push our democracy forward. But now these institutions, campaign finance, we'll get right to that one, but like the, our campaign finance system, our campaigning process has become such a negative space that like to go through it, basically like it makes the, the public like have a specter and there's a lot of dirty, <laughs> a lot of dirty politics and tactics that, you know, people do that frankly, can just write like alter a story. I don't know. You know what I mean? Like there's, there's so much in the tactics of it that uh, it just feels not very genuine anymore. And it feels like it's putting a lot of burden on where it should be easy to engage. And I think like running for office is one of the most critical things. So all that was like, okay, the corruption, where does that happen? Why do we feel that way? And that was like, for me, understanding the the campaign finance process, like how do you actually raise money? How does this all work? And then Again, getting some exposure through my intelligence world of like, how do bad actors take advantage of this? And that being the real issue to me, which was like the fact that it's so porous or so opaque, you know, so opaque in different ways in different places and how our campaign finance system works in the US and how, you know, to use the the little C corrupted, you know, that our political uh I don't know, institutions feel and actually do operate within. If you think of like pay to play politics as being like a soft form, like what, like why, <laughs> why, why is this just accepted everywhere? You know, that like this happens and it's not called out more like this type of experience is the stuff that, you know, I think that we need to be looking to improve on. Right. So I just saw a lot of uh, innovation, as I mentioned earlier, like in the campaign finance space, or excuse me, in the crypto space and in the emerging fintech space, payments, you know, core banking infrastructure, you know, even just cloud and cyber services. I was like, okay, you got all this cool tooling that you're using to track money and all these other bad places. Like, guess what? Let's just 
take that and move it over here and track, you know, political finance, knowing that this is something that moves the needle for public perception, like having more transparent candidates and political processes, that whole experience being known and like as real time touch and feel like you can go out and shake the hand with your local politician, right? Like that type of experience is what we talk about is like good the good way to do it, but like, it, you know, we need to be moving to make that more accessible, right? So things like uh, solving for campaign finance, transparency, making it just like a less uh, negative starting point, if you will. Um, you know, transparency should give you that kind of security as a voter meeting a, you know, political candidate to go back to that first sentiment is like, you know, what's this person doing here? Like, what's their true motive? You know, is there something about this person? And or is there some like, you know, like I think of George Santos is like the perfect example of like, is there this looming like thing that was clearly like right there the whole time, but no one like looked into this? Like why, you know, and that's a negative experience that just speaks back to the deference that people have. So like, great, like how does this guy end up here? Like, and how is he still here? Like, why is this where we are right now, you know, September of 2023, this stuff just like plays out in front of our eyes and it feels like we can't do anything about it. It's wild. Yeah, it kind of does feel like if you're talking about George Santos specifically, it feels like a Black Mirror episode because it feels dystopian. How did this person get into this position of power? And basically there were no checks and balances, right? And that's a place where maybe the blockchain comes in with a, a you know, non-political, non-partisan way of saying, no, this is this, right? Just uber transparency. And this is real. I'm really glad everything you just said, because this was like my driving thing about what I really wanted to ask you today, which is like, for millennials and Gen Z, basically anyone, probably Gen X and lower, but definitely with millennials and lower, I can say, and you can say from our lived experience, as you've said, the trust in our institutions and then vis-a-vis the trust in the individuals that make up those institutions, our politicians, is super low. It is like all-time low. And I know from a personal experience in running this podcast, and now I work professionally and I have worked professionally in crypto for about a year now, most people don't trust crypto. They think Bitcoin is a scam. They think it's a Ponzi scheme. So my question for you is, what's something that you've heard either from your political opponent or just in general or what, you know, how do you basically combat these two things that we don't have trust right now in our politicians and also blockchain can be a boogeyman, right? It's just this crazy tech that people are worried about. So how do you take those two things, put them together and come out on the other side with actually a stronger campaign? Because I obviously have a bias. I think it's going to make your campaign stronger. But for most people, when they hear blockchain, they think right to crypto. And then when they think crypto, they think Sam Bankman-Fried. And especially on the left side of the aisle right now in the United States, a lot of people got donations from him. So then they feel tangentially tied into something that they didn't sign up for. And they have, as people have said, quote, egg on their face. And no one wants that in politics. So how do you basically flip the narrative of we don't have any trust in institutions vis-a-vis, you know, we don't have trust in our politicians and blockchain is the boogeyman to then come out on the other side and talk to your constituents and say, no, this is actually why I'm a superior or a better choice than maybe another candidate. Yeah. I mean, this is a deep question and, you know, I'll try not to belabor too much in the a background for me on this specific question, but like my literal first engagement with Bitcoin was like working in the IC and this guy walks around the office and he's like, guys, Bitcoin's at $600. Who wants to get a pool together? You know, and we were all like, no way, man, like get out of here, you know? And then like, 
you know, so I was kind of like exposed to it through through the national security lens, right? And circa that time, which was like 2015 to 2018, I think there was a, I think within the community, there was definitely a, well, it had started to evolve since then, but the the initial concerns around like Iran jumping into the Bitcoin network, you know, North Korea, like the Silk Road, like there were from the beginning, you know, very bad and malicious things. And there still probably are like very bad and malicious actors who engage in the network and and use Bitcoin for whatever nefarious end and means, right? Like that's unfortunately true. You know, I'm not going to be like so cheeky and be like, oh, well, same with the US dollar. And like, you know, like the point is more like there's a, it's almost like move past it in a way. Like I don't want to answer the question by saying like, I was thinking about this earlier, like this kind of ride or die as a business person, I have my thought on here is like, it's a ride or die, like blockchain or kind of guy. And and also, but as like a big, as a longer term, like tech, some of the tech perspective is like understanding like evolutionary cycles of like software and, you know, hardware and like where we can go, new systems we, can, we will and ultimately always build. So I think that like blockchain needs to focus itself on and on rooting out basically like number one it's like the best regulation i think for the industry right now is some true self-regulation like truly being able to like figure out a way to call each other out you know however explosive that needs or to be or not but like to to just kind of like do some kind of self-policing understand like i think you're still on to something here that like there's bigger, there's still bigger waves crashing across the world geopolitically and other things going on. Bitcoin is, and all of this stuff is a tool, a tool or a weapon, right? In different places to different folks. And so, you know, you still have to have this global perspective. I think when you talk about, you know, Bitcoin specifically, crypto at large, you know, to say like it's a boogeyman just because of even like the American experience, that's totally at the disregard of the fact that, you know, the experiences in Estonia and like the way that blockchain has been able to let them innovate around government services and stuff like that. And even in Africa, like the role that digital assets are playing in emerging technical environments, right? So I'm always fascinated to talk to folks and be like, want to like, you know, look at, uh, you know, emerging markets and bring this cool tech there to them. And I'm like, all right, let's talk about how much power consumption the bank in that town actually like generates right now. You know, who's the power provider on site? Like, do you have the local understanding of like, great, you want to upgrade the system, but like, how are you going to just, you know, nitty gritty stuff? Like maybe that's there, maybe that's not there, Wi-Fi stuff, you know, but you know, this is all like, yeah, for me, like just kind of makes me think big picture on it's tech, right? And it's our job as the stewards of it and the builders of these things to to do some self, you know, guidance and be like, great, I want to use this for something positive, work together, be true to that. That's what I think is beautiful about uh, the space. And one of the biggest things that made me be able to put two feet in uh, with the community was like, I met way more people who were in this altruistic, optimistic point of view. The trouble was like, you know, we were talking about solving campaign finance problems, like boring, or like someone else was talking about, you know, some other infrastructure, you know, solution, right? And it's like, it's not DeFi, it's not the thing that's like driving, you know, the market caps at the time, but these are still like, these are still spaces that are going to be disrupted. Like the people that are, I I believe in blockchain, because through blockchain, you get to ask so many different questions than just like normal development within like a traditional like pipeline of, 
uh, you know, cloud services like blockchain just makes you account for many more things in everything that you do. So I think the builders in this in this community are destined to be, you know, some of the best leaders in tech moving forward, just because regardless of how it has gone and will go, like if we're in the space, all we can do is like keep soldiering on with the good, you know, things. We've learned some lessons truly, right? So we need to, I think, like elevate uh, that kind of knowledge and be able to like look at each other in the eye and, you know, decide that like, we want to survive. <laughs> we need to figure out like where, how do we do this in a way that it's not taking advantage of others, right? That's like the, the bad outcome there. So. Yeah. I love the way that you talked about technology as just being a tool. I constantly go back to that. I'm like, I can build a house with a hammer or I could kill someone fairly easily with a hammer. So it's really how we decide to use the tool that we have to then make the change that we want. And obviously we hope that that's a positive change. And speaking about kind of positive changes, one of the things that I've been impressed about when I see blockchain, which normally comes out on political floors as kind of crypto, if you're crypto, Bitcoin, that's really how it comes out. There are other things, maybe, you know, blockchain kind of gets lost into crypto when we know it's, it, it, that's the base layer tech, like it's much bigger than that. It can do other things. But I have seen bipartisan action in the U.S. government around crypto legislation which has been great because we're at a time where partisanship is just through the roof, where if it's, oh, if I'm blue, I don't want to do anything that's red. Or if I'm red, I don't want anything that's blue, even if it's good for me and my constituents, I don't want to touch it because I'm being tribal. And the question I have for you is like in New York state and in your political career, and as you talk about blockchain, has blockchain allowed you to kind of go across the aisle or, you know, is it, is it a mechanism that kind of goes beyond some of the tribalism we unfortunately see in U.S. politics today? I think that if you're building, um, you know, something big and something, you know, what we were doing with Schweitzer Labs and with For Us, it was like, great, we want to tackle corruption in, you know, politics. And we figure out that like, nobody trusts the financial component. And then like, okay, that really is like a top line thing that is very much when you ask people about it, like, it's very, it's right there. It's at the surface. So let's, so that's a thing. Right. But then like getting into how do you solve for this and blockchain, if you really, I don't say like buy in, but when you put your use case almost to the side and then you realize, I mean, Bitcoin's beautiful in this because it is itself, right? Like it isn't trying to be, it, you know, it's, it's rather rigid, right? Like it's not really trying to let you change it and it, and it works like it works and it's cool. So the point is like, as you're building out solution sets, that touch people's lives and like change, you know, like matter, right? Like even, you know, everyone can recognize like consumer products, maybe they're not the thing that gets like the, the buzzword in, you know, like the tech write-up or whatever, but like small products that everybody use, like these are awesome things. Like, I think that like we have these uh, teams focus on these problems. Uh, they're going to be talking to everybody that's engaged in that. And like through that, you, you have to work with everybody, right? So all that's like round in like, with Schweitzer Labs, we worked to build a product that tackled corruption. And that meant that that was something good that we wanted everybody to you know, benefit from, right? Like, so we sold, we sold the product to Republicans, we sold the product to Democrats. Uh, and in that, like, you're still, you're meeting folks, like you're understanding, you know, it's software sales. So you're understanding like the needs of the teams, um, all this stuff. And yeah, I mean, I think it's great because if you've gone down these roads of like building, you have already opened yourselves up to knowing how to work with a lot of different people if you're going to be successful, if you do it like in a, in a kind of go long way. So I think that 
for me, like that experience broadly, me being in the army, like that's another just very bipartisan like experience of my life or nonpartisan experience of my life. But yeah, I think that there's a there's definitely room to continue to make sure that you know blockchain stays nonpartisan, although I would say right now it's definitely not not it it is partisan right now. So it is partisan right now, which is unfortunate. But for me as a millennial to see someone who wants to get into politics at, at, at a high level say, you know, Bitcoin is cool. That's a great thing. And other people listening to this are going to be like, this is a good thing, right? What Will is trying to do is a great thing. And I don't see a future in which in the next 10 years, we have more people on blockchain side than people against it, just because this is kind of the way of tech. When the internet came out, everyone hated it. Then it was okay. Uh, you know, people do see the benefits over a long enough period of time. And you just hit on that. If you have a long enough time horizon, change can be really positive and it can be something that's kind of like a public good because it benefits everyone. So I know you're super busy and you got to go. So before I let you go, do you want to take time? You've already shouted this out and I'll put this in the show notes, but where can people get in touch with you if they want to learn more? Where are you? You and I connected on LinkedIn. And I know you have your website, but please let us know where else people can find you. Yeah. I'll point you to my two channels that are trying to pump. Uh, <laughs> but my website, uh, please check out just willforus.com. It's will, W-I-L-L, number four, us.com. Uh, that's just the campaign website. You can click around. There's a bunch of stuff to find. And then our Instagram account, which is will underscore for us. Uh, that's the handle. Uh, you can get to it through the homepage. So trying to get the Instagram. I know you're a creator, Jarrett, and like, Hey guys, give the feedback. You know, the content game is a new thing for me. Uh, going this level, I, <laughs> I, I fully admit. So I'm here for the feedback. I'm here to make, you know, like you led with like mess, or we were talking, I guess, beforehand about like messaging and there's always room to improve on the messaging and getting like this down. But, you know, if you're down to check out the campaign, right? We talked a lot about this issue, right? And there are sets of issues. That's why I love blockchain too. Like it just brings out, you can like parallel it or, you know, compare it. I don't know. It, it makes you think a bigger stage and bigger picture issues and like philosophical things just kind of come up. But anyways, if you're down for all that, and if you want to help out on the campaign even more broadly, uh, you can hit the volunteer button on the page, or you can uh, just drop me a note in the, there's a form at the bottom of the page. So, so yeah, we'd love to connect. Let me know. Let me know if you guys want to do anything. I'm in for it. So I appreciate it. That sounds great. And I'm going to check out your Instagram and I will get back to you with some feedback. And very exciting you have an Instagram. I think that politicians or anyone that has a message should definitely be messaging where people are. People are on social media. And yeah. so that's really important. Well, well, thank you for hopping on today. And I look forward to hopefully meeting you one day when I'm back in the uh, Big Apple. Yeah. Awesome. Just let me know. Come on down. Thanks. All right, man. Thanks for checking out this episode of More Than Blockchain. And go ahead and check out this episode's show notes, where I'm going to leave links to Will's website and his Instagram. I would say go along and follow the Instagram I have been, and it's an insight into what he's doing on his campaign trail. Also check out his website if you're interested in donating to support his campaign and or volunteering. And if you're in the great state of New York, I suggest you do both. As always, please follow us on social media at More Than Blockchain. And if you enjoyed this episode, please go ahead and share it with a friend, family member, or colleague, especially if they live in the great state of New York. No matter where you listen to the podcast, please go ahead and subscribe. Thanks for checking out this episode of More Than Blockchain, and I'll see you next time.